Well, good morning. How are you? All right, I've got some talkers here this morning. That's gonna. That's good. That's gonna keep me going. Well, um, I am not Pastor David. Uh, I am not a giant of a man at six thousand feet tall. I am just a small petite frame. All right, I was born like. Don't don't hate me because I'm vertically challenged. But uh, I was looking and watching videos of past messages, and I would see him in this pedestal in proportion to his size, and I was like, wow, that pedestal is like a coffee table. But for me, it's like a bar top counter, and, uh, and that's just the way it is. God uses all kinds of people. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Clayton, all right? Say good morning, Clayton. Good morning, new friends. Um, man, I don't know why you're here. I don't know. I don't say that in, in a way like, I can't believe you're here. I say that in a way that I don't know why you're here, but I know who does know why you're here. And see, he's the one who saved me, and his name is Jesus. And nothing happens in life by accident. God drew you out of your bed, even on daylight savings time when you've lost an hour of sleep. And everybody, take your arm, give yourself a pat on the back for being here this morning, okay? But God knew where you were and he, by the power of his spirit, drew you out from where you were, not to come hear me, but to come hear from him. Because you see, I don't know your life. I don't know your struggles. I don't know your pain. I don't know the things that you feel shameful about this morning, if there is anything. You could live a perfect life. I don't know that. I don't know your financial struggles. I don't know your struggles in your marriage. I don't know your struggles with your kids. I don't know your struggles with your grandkids. But you see, that same person who saved me, whose name is Jesus, he does know you, and he intimately knows you. In fact, the Bible tells us that God knit you together inside your mother's womb, that he knows the number of days that you have in your life. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and for some of us, he has to count longer than for others, and that's okay. That's okay. They say that men who lose their head, hair, not head, <laughs> hair prematurely, they have more testosterone. They're more men. So listen, if you're follically challenged here today, just kind of give yourself a ooh like that because studies show you've, you're more of a man than guys with full heads of hair. So don't hate. But I've been a pastor for 25 years. I'm fourth generation. So my great-granddad in Texas, if you notice a little bit of a, a twinge to my voice, you're not going crazy. It's because I, I chew as many vowels as possible. That's our diet in Texas, is we chew all of our syllables and our vowels. So I'm fourth generation, and my great-granddad would go around from town to town on the weekends as a circuit preacher, and there was usually one building as Texas was being uh, founded and everything like that, and all the cities and everything, like cut and shoot, <laughs> you know, that's a scary city. Don't ever move to cut and shoot. That's just not a good name. And, and then, you know, but my family from Blue Ridge, I know everybody's heard of Blue Ridge, Ladonia. You know, it's a big metropolis. Pecan Gap, 
Yeah, one very, very familiar to me. But all of these types of cities, my grand, great granddad would go around and he would preach God's word whenever it was time for the Baptist church and the Baptist pastor to have the one building that was in town. And then the next weekend, another denomination would have it, like the Church of Christ or whatnot, or the Methodist. And, and that's what he did. And onto my granddad, and my dad was a pastor, and my uh, uncle was a pastor. And then I married my wife, Allison, and her dad's a pastor. So our family reunions were never fun growing up. All we did was talk about church and, uh, and Jesus, but nonetheless, just came from a really privileged background and God's allowed me uh, to be in all churches, all different kinds of churches, uh, from uh, churches of 300 to churches of thousands to uh, churches uh, that ran 25,000 on the weekend and so on and so forth and launched things like Christian Mingle and a lot of great opportunities. And uh, one of the greatest opportunities was when God led me to my wife, Allison. And, um, and so we, we met and we married and we have six kids and they'll all be here in the second service. Before I left this morning, my wife says, oh, I intended to be at the nine o'clock. I say, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we intended uh, to be at the nine o'clock. She was at a conference this last week with Christine Kane and Beth Moore. And it was just a small gathering of about 100, 125 women. And uh, so she just got in last night. And so I couldn't blame her for that. But I want you to know that we came here to be part of a church uh, in the community. That didn't work out, and so we stepped out in faith. And we've started our own ministry called R116. That stands for Romans 116, which is one of my tattoos. And it's just communicating how I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the very power of God and his salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and the Gentile. And we believe, my wife and I, that in the gospel, in the very gospel of Jesus Christ, is all the power that you need because it changes everything. When the gospel of Jesus Christ collides with your life, there's an explosion that happens. In fact, the word power there in the Greek is dunamis, and that word we get dynamite. You see, when we collide with the power of the gospel, there is something that is felt, there's something that is experienced, and when you walk away, you walk away different. You walk away changed. And so we've stepped out and launched our ministry, but that hasn't come at, uh, that, that's come with a price. And, and part of the price is not having an income. And so I want you to know this, that on Fridays, because of you and because of this church, I'm able to feed my family. I know a lot of times you probably think about your food bank that you have here and you probably think about volunteering, but sometimes in your mind, you may think that that's for homeless people or, or people that have made a bad decision in life or, or something like that. But I want you to know that I stand in the line outside on Fridays, my time is two o'clock. Sometimes I show up at three o'clock if I've gotta get the kids. Sometimes I show up at four o'clock and just take what's left. Um, you guys are so gracious. But if it wasn't for your generosity, just with the food pantry, I don't know where my family would be today as we step out in faith to pursue the Lord and what God has for us. And so thank you. If you volunteer there, uh, if we could just give everybody a hand who works there, who volunteers. Because it has truly, uh, it has truly blessed our family so much. 
That's all I'm gonna talk about me. So this morning we were continuing on a series you guys started, uh, I think before Christ came, and uh, it's this series in Mark. Uh, but we're looking at Mark and we're gonna be uh, in the 14th chapter. And uh, my passage is verses 66 through 72. And so you guys go ahead and open your Bible and join me or follow along on the screens or your Bible app. But let's read along together. It says this, uh, oh, and first, thank you, Pastor David and the elders. If uh, any of the elders or Pastor David's in here this morning, thanks for the opportunity. I consider it a great privilege to ever be able to stand in the pulpit in a church where I'm not the lead pastor and break bread with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a great honor, so thank you for that. As, uh, as I was saying, Mark chapter 14. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant, uh, the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And get this, one of the most important phrases. And he broke down and wept. To the, the title of today's message is the beauty of repentance. And so I want you to underline in your Bible, and he broke down and he wept. Now remember, this whole action was something that if you've been in church, you've heard this story before, but this was an action and this was something that was gonna transpire according to Christ's own prophetic words that we have read just a few uh, verses prior. And you guys have already looked at this as you've been in this series of Mark. But I wanna remind you, if you could, uh, just go up a little bit in your Bible and let's look at verse 26 and let's be reminded of what Jesus Christ himself had previously said and predicted. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out, <laughs> you guys who love hymns are like, yeah, see, there it is. We have the praise and worship choruses, but in the Bible they sang hymns. There you go, right there, you can underline that. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 29, Peter said to him, even though they fall away, I mean, can't you see Peter doing this? He's pointing the finger. Even if they fall away, even though they fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he, Peter, said emphatically, he said this, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And that, and they all said the same thing. Underline emphatically. You see, that is a great word to describe Peter. Peter was emphatic. Even when he was speaking to Jesus Christ, the Messiah himself, he was still emphatic. 
You know, what else uh, do we know about Peter? Was this the only time that he ever responded this way? Was this uh, a situation that we never saw this characteristic in Peter at all? And, and that is, the answer is really simple, it's no way. This is part of who Peter is. This is part of who Peter was. And so when we look at the biblical text, we can see a big character sketch of Peter. And so I want you to follow along as we look at some of these biographical things according to the Bible that we know about Peter. And the first thing we see is his career. We know that Mark 1 tells us that Peter and his brother Andrew, that they had a fishing business and it was centered in the city of Capernaum and that he was used to working with his hands. He was a man's man. He was a tough man. He was somebody who persevered through trials. I don't know if you've ever fished or if you've ever been around someone who's that, who that is, that's their business. But it's, it's a job that you don't have a lot of controls and there are a lot of variables. You can go out, you can spend an entire day casting your nets and catch nothing. And you can't give up. It's not for the faint of heart. You have to go back out the next day. You have to cast your nets once again, hoping and praying that there will be uh, a harvest of fish that you're able to catch. But he was, uh, he was a man's man. He was a rough around the edges kind of guy. We see uh, in his home life that, that Peter was married. We don't know this about a lot of the disciples, but we do specifically know this about Peter. And we know this from the biblical text because